Welcome to Energy Matters, where we explore alternative health in the Pioneer Valley. I'm your host, Caroline Rutterman, and I'm a Reiki professional and intuitive in Northampton, Massachusetts. For the past nine years, I've been teaching people how to use their intuition and helping them reduce stress and anxiety. Together, we'll talk with other practitioners and learn how they bring health and healing to the Pioneer Valley. Let's do this. Hey, welcome, welcome everyone. You are listening to Energy Matters and I am your host, Caroline Rutterman, and we have another great show for you today. Uh, We are here chatting with Anna Brooke, who is a a dancer, a healer, um, a Wu Dao dance instructor, and the author of Stripped Down. So welcome, Anna Brooke. Thank you so much, Caroline. It's such a pleasure to be here. Yes, I'm so excited. Um, so I, I had taken, this was when you were uh, in down in Great Barrington, uh, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. and um, I had taken like um, like a breathing uh, a breathing class with you. And I was just like, oh, I love your work. Like, I love how you facilitate. So um, I was just like, someday I'll have her on my radio show. So fast forward <laughs> a few years, and here we are. So I'm really, really glad that um, that we get to connect today. Oh, me as well. Me as well. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to connect again. Yes. Um, so, Anna, tell us a little bit about who you are and and what you do. So, I am an interdisciplinary healing arts practitioner, uh, and what that means is I do a lot of different things. <laughs> um, I have been a rebirthing breath worker for the last twelve years. Um, I teach something called Wu Dao dance. I work uh, in a counseling. Uh, modality um, called bioenergetics. Um, I've also been a burlesque performer and producer and teacher for the last 15 years. So I do, I, what I do, I guess you could say, I want to help people feel as good as they possibly can in their magnificent bodies, period. Mm, I love that. And I, I love how when you describe yourself as like an interdisciplinary, you know, healing arts facilitator, it's like, yeah, it's like, we just follow the things that we love, you know, it's like that ever, ever learning, ever exploring, ever curious kind of thing. And it's sometimes the things that light you up, you know, five years later are going to be so different than the things that light you up, you know, 10 years ago. So absolutely. Yeah, completely. Um, so you just came out with your, um, your new book, um, it's called Strip Down. Um, so congrats on the recent publication. That's huge. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about this kind of labor of love? With pleasure. So the full title of the book, there's a little tagline to it, which is Strip Down, How Burlesque Led Me Home. Um, it is a part memoir, part manifesto of my journey into burlesque. Uh, and there's, when I talk about it being a memoir, Um, of sorts, it really goes into sort of the beliefs that I had grown up with uh, and what I had held dear and precious, meaning my body had to look a certain way in order to receive affection. My body had to look a certain way in order for me to be included uh, in groups or, you know, whatever um, society I was living in at the time. Um, which was throughout my whole childhood. And I, I got some, you know, unfortunately, I got some pretty twisted ideas in my head about what I had to do or be in order to be loved. And when I discovered burlesque, my world got turned on its ear. And through the, you know, yes, performing, learning how to produce all of that, but even more deeply so working with people who's they accepted their bodies as 
the brilliant instrument that it was. It's not to say that people weren't like, oh gosh, you know, I gained some weight or I'm dealing with a, you know, hurt joint or something like that. I was consistently watching people get out of their own way and make their magic happen. And I had never seen that. And so that was the beginning of my burlesque career as it were. But the book is really about, so if there's a little bit of a history of burlesque in there for anybody who doesn't know what burlesque is, it's uh, the art of the striptease. Uh, it's a very old art. Uh, it was first brought to this country in the mid, actually late 1860s by a British woman uh, named Lydia Thompson and her troupe, her British blondes. And it has become a uniquely American art form. And when I discovered it, my background is in art history. I have two degrees in art history and I wanted to work with artists and I wanted to, you know, help bring art into the world until I realized that I actually wanted to be an artist. And so the book tells that story, but it also, along with it, brings in some of the big lessons I've learned um, specifically about, you know, releasing judgment, you know, unpacking what is this concept called separation that where we believe we are somehow separate, not only from that which created us, but from each other and really coming back in, in the name of love. So it's, uh, it's, I, it's, yeah, I, I, I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> I could talk forever about the book. <laughs> yeah. So, so what is it about um, getting on stage and like stepping into like a whole, like, you know, a, a bigger version of yourself, that, that kind of magic that you describe of burlesque? Um, what is it about kind of stepping on stage that really allows you to embrace? And as you kind of described it, like turn to all your belief systems on their, on its ear. Like what, mm -hmm. what is that like magic moment there? Or maybe it's not a moment. It's, um, yeah, gosh, that's such a good question. I'd have to say, number one, I have always loved being on stage. Uh, I have always loved, I apparently, you know, killed the kindergarten Christmas concert when I was, you know, <laughs> however old. My mom said I, I was a real standout. But um, ever since I've, you know, I was, well, since I've really been on this planet, I have always loved being on stage. I love facilitating. I love connecting. It's connecting is really what I love doing with people and helping connect groups of people and getting on stage for the first time as a burlesque performer. It blew my mind because I got to present something that I had been cultivating and practicing and that I thought was really funny. And then I get to bring it to the audience and they loved it. And the, the, the level of gratification and validation be like, oh, wow, this isn't just something that only I love, you know, it's like, and I suddenly go out and it's like terrible. No, actually it was the exact opposite. People were saying like, Hey, like you should keep doing this. You should stay on stage. And so I'm actually going to ask you to repeat your question because I, I, I feel myself going off. Into <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, you know, and it's like, as you're kind of in, you know, like kind of in that space of like really loving it and performing, um, how, how does that, create where's the transformation from when you're kind of behind the curtain and judging yourself and like mm -hmm. you know like dealing with all these kind of gnarly twisted ideas about your body and what it takes to accept yourself and accept you know yourself to be loved in a certain way that kind of conditional um what is it about that kind of like crossing from behind the curtain to in front of the curtain that really helps you unlock all of that this is such a good question so uh, what I'll, I'll I'll respond by beginning with one of the favorite my favorite things that I teach in all my classes, which is the audience only sees what you show them. Mm. If as a performer you walk out onto stage and you have your eyes cast down and maybe you have, you know, your hand covering your stomach or maybe you're a little hunched over, the thing with any live entertainment is that you know human beings are relational creatures. 
we can only see in others what's already present within ourselves. And so when we see a performer on stage who is loving it and is just in the moment and just, you know, full presence, I mean, it's just, it's an extraordinary experience because it transports us along with it. However, if there's a performer on stage who's maybe not having a good time or struggling or, you know, maybe like actually doesn't want to be up there, the audience starts to feel uncomfortable. So coming back to that thought of, you know, the audience only sees what you show them. When I, one of the most important lessons I learned being backstage in the city, because I was dancing full time in New York, is that, you know, the audience is not going to know if you are not having a great day unless you show them. The audience is not going to know that, you know, maybe you've gained a little bit of weight or maybe you've lost weight and your costume isn't fitting exactly as it was designed to fit. They won't know unless you tell them. And so that was a really interesting pivot where I didn't have to show up in situations and suddenly start apologizing for all of my insecurities or where I fell short. It was suddenly something that they didn't have to know about it. I just got to show up and smile because for the most part, none of them had ever seen me before. They didn't know me from Adam, but yet there I was saying, Hey, this is something I want to share with you. This is something that lights me up and here you go. And I couldn't stop smiling. And it, it, that sort of transformation, I think it's also, it's the magic of being in front of an audience. There's something about, you know, I can let it all hang out with friends or like one close partner or whatever, but to get in front of an audience with a choreographed act or with a speech or whatever it is, it's suddenly that like, oh gosh, it's showtime. <laughs> like I got to put all of my stuff to the side because there's a greater purpose at hand right now. And that's to provide a great show and lots of entertainment for people who have actually paid to be here. So that in, in that level, like it's a pretty pragmatic transformation, but on a deeper level, there was also the sense that I get to show up in my fullness. Nobody has to know about my insecurities. Nobody has to know that, you know, I was just beating myself up an hour ago for eating a bagel. I mean, this is like way long ago. I've, I've very thankfully shed that thinking, but it was, it was very freeing in a way, like getting to work in front of an audience. I didn't have to pay attention to my stuff. I just had to make sure I was hitting my marks, you know, doing all this stuff and then just celebrating being alive, being in a body. And, you know, in this case, being in a very unclothed body, still like legally so, but getting to celebrate and the response from specifically women in the audience, they would come up after the show, some of them with tears in their eyes saying, I don't know how you do this. I, you know, it's been my dream to do this, or you look exactly like me, but I well, I can never do what you do. And I, my response was actually, yeah, you can. It's just a choice. And nobody's forcing you to do it. Like if it's not aligned, it's not aligned. Like there's no huge ticking clock. There's no secret whip waiting to be cracked. Like if it's not your bag, it's not your bag. That's okay. But if there's any part of you that's like, ooh, I want to find out about that. I want to go after it. Then what happens when you say yes to that little whispering, joyful noise in your heart? Hmm. That's really interesting. And, you know, sometimes it's it's interesting that you kind of are describing it that way, because, you know, yeah, like when you're a performer, it's like you kind of have to do give it you have to give it your all because everybody is watching. So if you if you well, if you don't, you know, you're going to feel it, the audience is going to feel it. So it's like you get this like tangible response just right away, you mm -hmm. know, and I, I like that um, kind of aspect of 
I, I myself am not a performer. I do, I get up on stage and I'm just like, uh, there's a lot of people looking at me right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think in a lot of other, a lot of other arenas, you know, we have almost a little, we have the capacity to have not so many people looking so we can kind of still, you know, keep our shyness or kind of keep those little, little things that those protective barriers in front of us. But mm-hmm. on stage, yeah, you're mm-hmm. letting it all hang out at that point. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. full exposure. It's like the full vulnerability. Well, exactly, exactly. And the beautiful thing is, our vulnerabilities are our strength. They're not a sign of weakness. They are actually a sign of I have nothing to hide. Here I am. Take it or leave it. Yeah. Wow. That's so fun. So, um, so Anna, tell us a little bit about um, what inspired you to like really put all of this kind of experience and like put it down on paper and because writing a book is not easy. It's, you know, there's a lot of steps to it and a lot of editing. So tell us a lot. Um, tell us about kind of what really, what felt, what did you feel the need to kind of get this, um, this memoir um, going? Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, you forgot blood, sweat, tears, and tantrums. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Writing. <laughs> um, well, you know, it's, it's kind of, I'll I'll say it's twofold. One is that I have always loved writing. And ever since I started writing in school, my teachers and my friends were always saying, you should really write a book. You should write a book. You should write a book. And it was amazing. But I was always like, what am I going to write about? I don't know what I'm going to write about. But more to the point, you know, my background, you know, I I spoke a little bit about, you know, not having a whole lot of self-confidence. I also unfortunately um, developed an eating disorder when I was in high school that stayed with me for many years. And I sort of lived under its shadow for a really long time. Uh, And I realized when I was sort of getting into burlesque was sort of like the final nail in the coffin of that chapter of my life. But I was getting into backstages and these performers who I what I just admired and just, you know, I, I won't say idolized, but pretty close. I mean, sort of like the top of the game, just brilliant artists. And I would hear them speaking poorly about themselves or, you know, like disrespecting their own bodies by being like, oh, this part of me, oh, that part of me. And I couldn't make sense of it. And I was like, wait a second, but you're like brilliant and gorgeous. And you have like all the rhinestones in the world. And yet you're kind of being mean to you. But I, could, I couldn't understand it. And I certainly wasn't going to be like, hey, you be nice to you, person. <laughs> yeah. But that, that wasn't my place. But, you know, the biggest impetus of writing the book was not only sharing, you know, what my experience was, but it was also, it's also an invitation to anybody in a body. It doesn't have to be just female bodies. It can be anyone as long as you have a body who has ever held yourself back from what lies in your heart because of how you feel about how you look. This is something that, you know, I have a lot of compassion for it, but it bothers the absolute pants off of me, no pun intended, uh, because I see people of all gender identities, all expressions, some of whom are very much delivering their work into the world and others who cannot get out of the house for fear of, but what if somebody reflects back to me that I'm somehow not enough or I'm not worthy or I'm somehow, I don't belong here because of who I am. That to me, I was like, no, I need to speak up into this because I used to have those same discussions in my own mind. 
And our bodies are a gift. And there are so many systems and structures and traditions in our culture that actively dissuade us from acknowledging our brilliance, our beauty, our worthiness. And instead, you know, we get caught up on this stuff. And especially for women, I see so many women, how do I put this, sort of plugging so much energy, psychic, emotional, physical energy into their appearance and then none into their dreams. Or their dreams are somehow conditional. Like, oh, well, if I look a certain way, I can do that. Or if I, you know, I don't know, do X, Y, or Z, I can somehow do this. And it's like, no, 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 please goodness no like it's like save yourself is, 20 years like you know exactly. save yourself 20 years of suffering like precisely and you know and really for that I have to thank all the older women in my life specifically like the straight up crones who I love with my whole heart because they're the ones who were telling me like why why like get out of your own way like make your magic happen do this you're like what would happen if you suddenly disappeared from earth tomorrow will you have done what you wanted to do and I just kept hearing oh my gosh I haven't done that yet I haven't done that yet so the writing of the book I like to say was not only the most vulnerable process I've ever done it is also the most naked I have ever been literally speaking because it's my heart on those pages it's my story I talk about my childhood a little bit, but I also talk about, you know, growing up in a white female body in America, which has its own loaded meanings and values and, you know, lots piled onto that. And it's not, you know, mine may be a somewhat unique story. It also might not be, but I really wanted to write this book to help remind people that they are so much more than what they see in the mirror, that each of us have so many gifts. And, you know, what if each of us, I always like to think in terms of like disco balls. I, I, I like, I'm like a magpie, I like really like sparkly, shiny things. <laughs> yeah. But like, if all of us are like, you know, one single mirrored tile in the disco ball, like when we give ourselves permission to shine and release our light onto the planet, like it just becomes more brilliant. There's just more light available. It's just a There's party. There's more inspiration. You know? <laughs> yeah. There's all of this. So uh, uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I'll say. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. So um, you also offer another form of healing dance, um, the, the Wu Dao tradition. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, I mean, outside of you, I've never even heard of this. Um, can you tell us a little mm -hmm. bit about what Wu Dao is all about? Yes, my pleasure. So I am actually the first and currently only teacher in America teaching Wu Dao. Uh, Wu Dao is a blend of traditional Chinese medicine and modern dance. Now, when I say modern dance, we're not leaping around like Martha Graham. <laughs> this is just free fluid movement. Wu Dao is a very gentle modality. It's a form of dance medicine. Uh, and it was created by a woman named Michelle Locke, who is in Western Australia. She's a native of Perth. And she developed Wu Dao um, when she, it's, I'll give you like the Cliff Notes version. Um, she had been a professional ballet performer. She injured her back and had to stop dancing. She turned to shiatsu to heal. She fell in love with it. She ended up becoming a shiatsu teacher, opened up a shiatsu school. And then in 2001, she gave birth to a daughter who uh, had a severe disability. 
um, that was unfortunately fatal. Uh, and she had to put her entire life on hold. And once sort of everything got, um, she had home healthcare aides come in, she found that she was really missing dancing. She was also finding that she needed a break from the stress, from the chaos. And so she ended up getting studio time with a friend of hers, an old ballet friend, and saying, okay, well, what does it have to do? If we wanted to stretch the lung meridian, what kind of dance movement would we do? If we wanted to stretch the gallbladder meridian, what would we do? And before she knew it, these dances just came out of her. And so Wu Dao, there are five core dances and there's one for each element in traditional Chinese medicine. It's different from the Western, you know, four element theory. This is five elements. So it, and it moves through what's called the mother's cycle. So anybody out there who's, you know, a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner, um, you'll know what I'm saying. Uh, and if you are, un, are unfamiliar with it, it's a really beautiful cycle of going from metal into, oh gosh, now I'm putting myself on the spot, metal <laughs> to water, <laughs> metal to water, to wood, to fire, to earth. And it's a really beautiful journey through the elements. And it actually mirrors the human life cycle as well. So Wu Dao, it's very much about quieting the physical and emotional mental energy in the body so that you can be more mm, in the flow, shall we say, with what's coming in and out of your life, but even for your body to be more balanced because when there is stagnation in the body, specifically in TCM, there's called meridians, which are energy pathways. If there are any organ or you know meridian pathways that are holding stagnant energy, it's typically because there is an emotion that needs to be moved through or expressed. That is not the only reason, but very commonly when we give ourselves permission to move through emotions or even invite them to become dance partners in the dance, it gives whatever the emotions are, whatever the pain is, room to be, to be heard, to be felt. And the gift of Wu Dao is coming through it. The whole flow takes about a half hour. Uh, but when you come through it and you're on the other side, at least for me, I feel lighter. I feel like I can I, I'm out of my head. My my, th my thoughts are not as loud. I feel more grounded in my body. Mm. Do you remember your first Wu Dao class that you attended or workshop that you attended? I do. I do. I uh, it was it was I, I met Michelle in 2009, but I didn't become a Wu Dao teacher until 2012. And she had come to New York where I was living at the time and trained me. And I had actually never, I had, she had sent me a DVD and she was like, okay, you need to learn this. And I'm coming to the training. And like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I kind of did it, but I was like, I need a human being in front of me. Yeah. And the first class we did, we, at, at the close of every class, there's a meditation, um, kind of like a Shavasana, but um, it was the first time that I went into complete stillness in my body. And when she sort of cued me out of it back into the room, I could not believe it. I'm somebody, I'm sure those of you listening can tell, I, I think very quickly. I'm, I, I talk a lot. I'm very <laughs> mental. So it's very easy for me to live from the neck up. I've had to train myself to start living from the neck down. And there was something in Wu Dao that touched something so deeply, a chord of stillness in my being that I couldn't ignore. And that's when it was like, oh, I guess I could do this. This is actually really fun. <laughs> and that was the beginning. Oh, I love that. I love that. I think there, there's something so transformative of when you like feel your body just like mm -hmm. without your thoughts mm -hmm. in it for just even like 
three seconds. It is liberating. It gives you just this taste of like, ooh, I want more. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um, now I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, but is it, could you, could you tell our listeners, could you teach us in a moment, like a small little snippet of how to do some of this woo and you can totally say no, but could you, could you describe some of these like gentle movements that we can kind of harness to get a taste of what Wu Dao feels like? Oh my gosh. I would love to. What a beautiful challenge. All right. Um, so I, what I will describe is actually the very beginning of what in Wu Dao is called the air dance. Now, air is the same as metal, uh, the element in, per, in the Wu Dao world. Um, and so the air element, and again, this is metal for TCM, is connected to the lung and the large intestine meridians. And if, the, if there is an imbalance or the, the emotion that can get held or trapped in these areas is grief. And so this is something I've been doing a lot with folks online um, as we emerge from COVID, you know, at number one, like, you know, yeah, our lungs, yay for healthy, happy lungs, but also how do we start to move through the immense grief that everybody is feeling in one way or another? And so the movement here is very gentle. It's very easy. So what it looks like is if you allow your arms to hang by your sides, you can be sitting down for this. Um, allow your arms to hang down by your sides. And then just with your breath, you inhale and you raise your arms up like a bird flying in the sky. So you raise your arms up overhead. And when your arms get to the top, you want your palms facing away from each other. And then as you're ready, you bring the arms down. And then again, you do the same thing, floating, flying like a bird, arms coming up, palms facing away from each other. When you get to the top, nice little stretch. And then arms come down. And then only your left arm comes up and you stretch and then down and then your right arm comes up. Little stretch and down. And so literally that's it. That, 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 that's the only taste I'm going to give. But I mean, for those of you on the radio, you can't see me. Um, but Caroline, you can probably see that my face just got a little bit flushed. There is something about this gentle movement not only is it freeing up pent up energy in the lung and the large intestine meridians, but it's also giving the our physical bodies a chance to move in a non-habitual way, which can be a really gentle, nourishing shakeup. I realize those words don't always go together, but sort of like, you know, taking a jar, like a snow globe and just like a gentle shake to allow all the snow to float up around again. Mm. It's so easy, especially if, you know, as we emerge from lockdown and quarantine, if our physical bodies have been very still or not moving a lot, allowing ourselves to just gently start to tap into gentle movement, nourishing movement, easy movement. It's just about ushering in this movement to create more emotional freedom, but also to start giving back to our bodies so they can be ready to you know, not be out of breath when you walk up the stairs, say, right, right. <laughs> I'm laughing because that's my life right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, so, so for that as an example. Yeah. And so if somebody's practicing um, that really gentle movement to kind of support their lungs and support the moving of grief, um, do um, one, do they have to think about themselves being a bird? Or is that just mm. sort of the movement? 
brilliant question. And um, part two of that question is, um, if people are are like really deeply grieving, I mean, what are what are they going to expect? I mean, are they going to have like, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of emotional release? Is it going to like, I guess what happens when you kind of start bringing movement into um, into those spaces? Yeah, yeah. So I'll actually answer the second part of the question first. I, you know, the number one rule of Wudao is take what works, leave what doesn't. If you are coming to class and say you are dealing with, you know, immediate grief, or if grief comes up during the class, I, you know, I've had people begin to cry, especially during the air dance, but, you know, and some in the fire dance, uh, because there's one dance for each of the elements. You know, I, I honor that. And I actually say, you know, please, if you feel safe enough to do so, please continue to honor those tears because grief, I feel, is so stigmatized in our culture and in our society. And to give ourselves permission to allow the crying to happen, to allow the tears to flow is one of the most generous gestures we can do to ourselves. So if that comes up in a dance class, I, you know, I'm not going to say I necessarily celebrate. I'm not like, whoopee, you're sobbing. Like, no, I'm not going to say that. I don't (laughs) want to put the person on the spot. But I also want to say, like, you have permission to have your human experience in this class. If big emotions are coming up, please allow them in as a dance partner. Don't shove them under the rug or stick them in a closet. Please bring all of you into this because the parts of us that are feeling pain, they're the ones that are really hungry for attention. And so when they come up for attention, how beautiful just to bring them into the dance. And even if it might feel bigger than you think, it's okay, you know, allow yourself to just keep moving through. You don't have to, and again, if it's overwhelming, take a break. But the dances are so gentle. And I'll I'll go into this by answering the first part of your question, which was the imagery. There is there's very much images used in all of the dances. And so it's actually been shown, there were two major medical studies done on this in Australia and showing the benefit of Wudao specifically on um, people who are in memory care um, or anybody suffering from dementia of any form. And they were finding that the balance of focusing on the choreography, but also playing with the images. So for instance, in the air dance, we play with, Uh, flying like a bird, but also like a tree shedding its leaves. There's a certain move where we're like a tree, just like allowing ourselves to flush our branches of the leaves that are ready to fall. And there is, it actually has been shown to balance the hemispheres of the brain because there's the logical, like, okay, I have to focus on the choreography and okay, my foot does this, my arm does this, so on and so forth. But then there's the image, the, the imagery of it. And so in every class we do each dance, two, maybe even three times. Each dance is anywhere from four to six minutes long. And so because of doing that, once the body gets comfortable with choreography, once you're comfortable, oh, right, I do my arm there, I do my arm there, and then I take a step to the side, and then I do my arm again. Once the sort of, um, once that becomes familiar, then you really get to get into the imagination. And I have witnessed some really extraordinary things in my classes. You know, people, you know, connecting dots around emotions or patterns in their lives. This doesn't happen every class, but, you know, in some cases, you know, one of the last classes I taught before lockdown, you know, uh, we were doing the air dance and we came to the end and we complete the air dance on the ground and we came up to a sitting position and the woman who was sitting directly in front of me had just tears streaming down her face. 
And I just checked in with her and I was like, is there anything you need? You know, is there anything you want to share? And she just said, I'm so full of love. I don't know what to do. And that took my breath away. I had never, because that's my experience. That has been my experience. That's why I became a teacher. That's why I spent so many years teaching this full time. Because how, what better way to immediately connect with this brilliant life force we hold in our bodies that animates our entire lived experience in this magnificent physical body, even if we have gripes or maybe our physical body has limitations and it's not moving the way we want it to, it's okay. Play with what you have because there are miracles and gifts and stunning awarenesses that are just waiting there if we are willing to quiet our judgment, quiet our mind, and just open up our eyes in that more quieted, centered way. Mm. I love that. And do you find that people, because this, um, because Wu Dao dance has um, its its kind of roots in um, in traditional Chinese medicine, do you find that people who have are versed in in acupuncture um, or you know any kind of acupressure shiatsu, do you find that those people are more drawn to the class, or is it people who are drawn to dance, or is it just a whole like who who comes who comes for this? Like what's yeah, what's the draw? This is such a good question. I've only ever had one acupuncturist attend any of my classes and he was beside himself by the end of class. And he was saying, this is it. This is what's missing from acupuncture because not only are we stimulating the meridians, but we're, we are the embodiment of chi. We are flowing through these elements, through these different meridian, you know, the specific meridians that are connected to each dance. And he was just elated. And that was really gratifying for me to see because I had never had a TCM practitioner come in. And I was like, wow, that's okay, cool. Like, thank you for affirming and confirming. But, you know, with regards to folks coming to my classes, it really ran the gamut. When I was living in New York City um, and when I was living in the Berkshires, I was teaching um, classes at senior centers, independent living facilities, uh, areas where folks wanted to stay active, but not in a, you know, kind of boot camp way. They just wanted to be moving their bodies, try something new. And, you know, but even, you know, like new moms or um, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think of all of the classes I've ever taught. I mean, I taught at um, a few places in the city and really, really big attendances. And, you know, the age ranges were from, you know, early 20s all the way up into the 70s. Uh, and so it really ran the gamut. So there isn't, it, it is, you know, predominantly women, but lots of men um, come as well. Uh, and yeah, it, it just sort of seems to be the dance, people's hearts get called. Uh, and it's, I've never seen the exact same person, you know, show up. It's, it's always, it's, it's a really beautiful variety of people. Nice. It reminds me a little bit of sort of the um, the kind of movements of, of Qigong, you know, that yes. tend to be like super fluid and, you know, you're kind of working through those same um, those same pathways. But this sounds like it has a, a like a very different um, creative element that are that are coming into it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's so fun. Um, so if somebody has like never even tried doing any kind of dance or acupuncture or anything, you know, like what, what would you suggest um, in, in regards to this class? Um, so number one, I would say there's nothing to fear. <laughs> it's just your body moving, uh, which it does every single day. Um, but for specifically for Wudao um, and this kind of what I'd call a more therapeutic style dance, I always say, just come, just show up and be willing to play. 
you might surprise yourself with how easy it is. The the secret of Wudao, it's not really a secret, but I'll call it as such, is it doesn't matter how sort of hard you're doing it or how deep you are, how perfectly you're nailing, you know, each step of the dance. When we show up for our bodies and allow our bodies to lead the way. And so like maybe you're recovering from a shoulder injury or maybe, you know, your hips are feeling really tight or stiff. So some of the dances aren't as accessible or as comfortable to do. Just do what you can with what you have. That is enough. And this is the wisdom of traditional Chinese medicine as well, is that your body will let you know when you've hit your limit and or when you've gone as far as you can. And so just even to play within that, and it's nothing to do with striving, nothing to do with perfectionism, nothing about like, again, like nailing the perfect position. It's really about showing up for your body, for that elemental wisdom and for the parts of you that maybe you've never spent time with that are probably really excited for your attention and awareness. And it's not going to be excited like a baby puppy. Hey, it might, Mm -hmm. but it will also be an invitation to begin to have a different experience with your body and maybe in some ways create a new relationship to your body in a nurturing and balancing way. Mm, yeah, I love that. And, you know, it sounds like there's so many parallels between your kind of like journey to really like loving your body through like burlesque and through that kind of same thing that it, it's sort of like the next the next step, you know, mm-hmm. of like Wu Dao is almost like the evolution of like what you learned on stage to about like how to love yourself and just be fully present with whatever you want to show the audience. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden it's kind of like, okay, actually, let's let's um, let's shake things up a little bit and let's actually like create fluidity between what's happening internally. Yeah, yeah, beautifully put. Yeah. Uh, so so a lot of the stuff that you're doing right now, um, I'm assuming, you know, post towards the end of the pandemic, at least in the United States. Um, can you, are you teaching a lot of this stuff online or kind of what is, what is your uh, kind of, what, what are your methods of communication right now? Yeah, 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 totally. I, so as of right now, um, everything I'm doing is exclusively online. Uh, I've actually recently launched two online courses. Uh, one is called Burlesque Emergence. So if anybody wants to dip their toe into the burlesque waters in a really safe, confidential space, uh, that's one thing. Uh, that's one class I'm teaching. Get your rhinestones uh, out. Pardon me? I said, get your rhinestones out. Absolutely. Well, the the fun thing is, I actually like to say, you know, bring what you have. Like, we do have one class that's all about glove peel. This is one of, like, the core bits of burlesque, one of the sort of foundational movements. And I say, you know what? Bring your ski gloves. Bring uh, your gardening gloves. Like, it doesn't matter if you don't have, like, elbow-length opera gloves. Bring what you got because, you know what? It's more than enough. Yeah. So, that's burlesque emergence, which is super fun and really playful. I'm actually just wrapping up um, my June session of that. The other class I've been teaching online is an online study hall for forgiveness. It's called the Forgiveness Lab. And it is all about practicing forgiveness in real time. I, when I was in high school, the only way I would do my homework was in study hall. I was very distractible and I'm very <laughs> social. And you know, I loved talking to people and I would never get anything done. But I would get stuff done in study hall and I was thinking about it. And just with the polarization that we're all experiencing in different ways, I I felt myself as a healing arts practitioner, but also as somebody who really cares about people's peace, not only of mind, but peace of heart. 
It's like, oh, interesting. How about I start offering this, which is rooted in my breathwork work? And so I'm doing the forgiveness lab, but then I'm also once a month teaching. Um, it's a, it's 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 rooted in Wu Dao, but it's a lot. It's not a full Wu Dao class. It's rooted in TCM. It's lots of stretching, lots of acupressure, some gentle Wu Dao movement. It's just really nourishing and yummy. So sounds very hybrid of all your <laughs> of kind of all your work. Oh, had to adapt, had to adapt. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're you're all the way up in Maine, right? Because you, you kind of you fled from, from New York to Western Mass, and then you went straight up into the woods. Yeah. And, you know, we did not necessarily want to leave Western Massachusetts, but we had to move and we could not find anywhere to live because uh, all of the real estate was getting snapped up. So um, it had also been my dream to live in Maine one day. And we said, okay, why don't we just make that happen? a little sooner. So I'm actually coming to you from gorgeous mid-coast Maine right now. Wow, exciting. Very, very cool. You know, I mean, I think that's one of the really great things about the pandemic um, is that, or one of the kind of shining lights is that now that Mm -hmm. so many things are online and it's like all those little like pockets of really great healing practitioners and and all the work, it's like, it's available wherever you are. So if if you started out in Western Mass and, you know, you want to travel and adapt or however you want to do it, I think that that's, that's fabulous. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It is definitely the silver lining um, of this time. Yeah. Um, so how can people find you? What What's the easiest way if they're curious about and want to kind of learn more about who you are and what you do? So you can, the best place to go is my website, annabrookhealing.com. Um, I'm also on all of the social medias as Anna Brook, uh, but you can find me as Anna Brook Healing. Um, there's a lot of Anna Brooks, it turns out in the world. <laughs> so I'm Anna Brook healing. Uh, and yeah, uh, people can find me all over. I, I would like to think I'm pretty accessible as far as the internet goes. Sounds good. And that's Anna, A-N-N-A-B-R-O-O-K-E healing. Correct. Yes, there is an E on the end of that name. Yes. Yes. Just an important little, little thing to get you where you're trying to go. Um, and so Anna, do you have any kind of last words of wisdom that you would like to throw out into the universe? Oh, I have so many, but I'm going to keep it short. Um, I guess what I really want to offer to everyone listening right now is an invitation really to spend active time with your breath and with your heart. There are so many distractions going on that can yank us out of our own bodies, out of our own minds, out of our own containers. And I really want to encourage people to begin or continue to cultivate a practice of coming home to self, of breathing into your lived experience, not tapping into everybody around you, like listening, but creating those healthy boundaries for yourself, because we are moving through some deep changes that are, you know, we are not going to be the same a year from now as we are now. Uh, And what would it look like if you started to listen to your heart, no matter what? That's the question I would like to put out into the universe. Mm. And, and what are your two favorite ways of listening to your heart and returning back to your breath? What are your, your two favorite ways of, of doing those? Because I know that you're like, this is important to do. Like, what are some kind of quick things that, um, that really can, can nail it home when people are, are in the thick of it? Yeah, this is a great question. So 
the number one, I mean, congratulations, everybody, you're breathing. So you already know how to do it. <laughs> um, my, what I like to do consciously speaking is so your everyone's lungs go up to your collarbone. And oftentimes people will do lots of beautiful belly breathing, but I want to encourage people to take one or more breaths, if it's available to you, to breathe all the way up to your collarbone and to release the breath. And then as it feels ready to come back into that, folks may notice there can be a tiny, a very, very little bit of lightheadedness. It's because breathing into that part of our chest, number one, we are not used to breathing that high up. And so it can create kind of like a rocking the boat movement. There's just so much more information, meaning oxygen and all of those nutrients available to us. So sometimes the body's like, whoa, that's a lot of information. I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> it's totally cool. If you get lightheaded, just soften your breath, come back into whatever is natural. And for connecting with the heart, you know, there's two ways I like to do it. One is literally putting my hand on my heart and breathing, just and allowing myself to sit until my body calms down whether I'm stuck in traffic, whether I've just had a challenging phone conversation, whether I'm staring at my to-do list and completely freaking out, just to have that physical cue of hand on heart and taking at least three lovely deep breaths. The other really fun way is to find your pulse, um, whether it's on your wrist, whether it's in your neck, um, anywhere in your body, you can feel your pulse to tap into that and take at least 10 breaths. And when I say 10 breaths, I'm actually saying connected breaths, meaning stitch together the inhale and the exhale, allow them to flow one into the other. It's very often for people to sort of breathe in and then hold at the top or exhale and hold at the bottom. Allow there just to be an easy flow, easy circularity of the breath, because it will not only give you more oxygen. So every part of your, every system in your body is going to have more to work with but you also get to give yourself a very richly deserved break, which not many of us give ourselves. Yeah. And if it's 10 breaths, you know, when we're, when we're having a moment, you know, it's worth it. Totally. And you get 10, you know, like most of us have 10 fingers, like count it down on your fingers. If, especially if you're somebody who's like, mind is all over the place. You're like, Oh, I can't focus for that long. Or, oh, that's too long. I don't have that time. I dare you to take one breath, put one finger down for each breath you take and then notice how you feel at the end. Yeah. And, you know, 10 breaths is like two TikTok videos. You know? <laughs> it's like not that much. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Brilliant metaphor. Really. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so thank you so much, Anna, for coming on the show today. And again, if, um, if people are just tuning in and they want to catch the rest of this complete episode, you can always go on to the Energy Matters podcast, uh, pretty much anywhere you download your favorite podcast. Um, there is a different Energy Matters podcast, but look for the Starburst logo, the Energy Matters podcast Starburst logo. Um, and you'll find us and uh, new episodes are posted every Friday. Um, and if you want to learn more about who Anna Brooke is, um, then you can always go on to AnnaBrookHealing.com. Um, so um, thank you again, Anna, for, for just sharing your world and, you know, your movement and your, you know, facilitating all kinds of great things across um, all across the, the U.S. So and oh. probably beyond at this point. So <laughs> thank you so much, Caroline. This was, I, I'm, I'm so honored and I'm just, just thank you so much for having me on your show and for beaming out all this gorgeous energy uh, onto the planet. I'm yes. really grateful to you. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Very welcome. So have a great weekend, everyone, and be well.